This is Columbus's hub for inclusive conversations on building success in male-dominated fields. Whether it's through empowerment, support, or advocacy, we talk all things professional development and breaking the glass ceiling. This is Just Between Us Girls, and we are doing episode one today with Matt Gregory. Hello. So Matt is our Senior Vice President and Managing Director of NAI Ohio Equities. And I am the Director of Business Development for Thompson Restoration Associates. So we are super, super excited to be here today. Um, today we're going to be talking about a couple of things, but um, mainly talking about leadership, creating leadership, and really what it looks like to be able to, to, to move forward and move throughout your journey as a evolving learner and, and always um, keeping that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Matt, tell me a little bit more about what you do, what, what that looks like for you, and um, and maybe a little bit of how you got here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so first of all, as you said, um, Senior Vice President of Office Brokerage at NAI Ohio Equities. What that means is I help growing businesses uh, who need office space either buy or lease office space. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of growing companies in Central Ohio. Yeah, especially uh, now, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's been a good 20 years in the business for me. I moved to Columbus just at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most recently at Ohio Equities, um, I was promoted to managing director. And pretty much what that means is that I oversee all of the other brokers that are out there buying and help, or helping clients buy and sell real estate every day. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I have the pleasure of doing right now is we just hired a new class of brokers, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm getting to train them, yeah. and I'm putting them through a training, pro- a six-month training program, so they can get up to speed on how to help our clients. I love that. I will say um, I had the pleasure of meeting one of your newer uh, brokers. I think it was at a NAOP event. Okay. And um, he really went out of his way to say how much your leadership for someone that was coming outside of, I believe he, uh, Chad came out of the industry, right? Come from outside? Actually, no. He came from a different industry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he was saying how much, you know, your leadership has really been a great catalyst for being able to really, really build something, even as someone that... Um, is coming from, you know, getting into this industry is, is not easy, No, it's especially not. with what you guys do. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. There's a high barrier to entry for sure. Yeah. Uh, and most people that find commercial real estate, it's usually a second career. Yeah. I mean, for some people it's in their early twenties, but for some people it can be in their thirties or forties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's never too late to start in any industry. And mm-hmm. I, I actually think that a lot of people have success when they come from another industry because they have relevant experience in the business world and then they can apply that or adapt that you know, to helping businesses. Because that's at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. We're helping other clients. Every yeah. business, no matter how big or small, needs real estate component to it. Exactly. So knowing the business world from another channel actually helps give you better perspective. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's like, I mean, I came from outside of the industry as well. I was in medical um, and I, I switched over to this side. And it's been so interesting because where I thought I was so underqualified to get into my position, it actually really, really helped me shape the evolution of the role that I even have today. Um, I think that coming from a space that wasn't traditionally, like you don't have the same mindset as someone that's been doing this, you know, for a a certain amount of years, you kind of come in with fresh perspective and ideas and and it's up to leadership to to hopefully take those and (laughs) be able to to listen and maybe adapt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, starting this, um, it's really interesting because the podcast is called Just Between Us Girls. And of course, we are starting with a man. And I wanted to touch on that. Um, I know I did a little bit in the intro for this episode, but um, something that was really, really important to me was touching on how 
when people think about in society, you know, helping women move forward, helping uplift women um, and helping with the professional development of women, sometimes it can seem like casting men out is like the the voice behind that or something Mm. when really it's so, so important to have the support and advocacy of men in the spaces that have already been in the places we're trying to break into. Um, And you're someone that I particularly wanted to start with because you have a you have a gift for that, for oh, making sure that you you put others on and you really, really make it a point to do that and particularly um, advocate and create space for women. And I think that when there's a man in the room, a lot of the times it's kind of not, well, I guess part of your responsibility to make sure if you're in a position, you can help um, be a little bit of that voice to create that within someone else to, to do that. So um, I'd love to hear a little bit more on on that and maybe what has created that within you. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to uh, give some background. And first of all, always, when people bring this up and tell me that I have this quality, it, it surprises me at first. Not because I don't think that I embody it, but it's because it, I didn't necessarily set off with that to be my goal. I never knew anything different. Um, I was brought up, um, and everyone in my life taught me the golden rule, which is to treat others the way you want to be treated. Yeah. And so I have always treated everybody, no matter what their gender or back, you know, race or ethnicity, religion. I've always treated everyone with respect because that's the way I'd want to be treated. Yeah. And so when I got into the business world, I continued doing that. And I think it just people recognize that. Mm-hmm. And I've actually had a lot of women clients that have actually told me that they felt that I treated them the way that you just described. And to me, and they like were thanking me for that. And I didn't even know what to say. Cause I'm like, that's the this only thing, how I, this, this is like, how it should be. Yeah. Right. It's Absolutely. interesting how such a simple foundation really, that should be the baseline anyway, but it's, it's just not. And I would love to hear a little bit more on maybe what you think has just naturally created that within you. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a big believer. I tell everyone I know that I feel everyone's a product of their environment. And it's very important for everyone to take a little bit of something from every single one of the mentors or leaders in their life. And when when we were talking about this, I was thinking back to my childhood Mm -hmm. and I spent a lot of time as a child with my mom and with her friends group. Um, my mom has a group of eight, she's one of eight friends that all went to the same high school, graduated together. They weren't all the same class, mm-hmm. but they stayed in touch after, after high school. And as they got married and had families, they continued to keep that close knit group together. And it became like another family to us. Yeah. Um, you know, lots of people joke that they have a family friend that they might call an aunt or an uncle, even though it's not related. And that's what we had with my mom's friends. And my mom and dad actually had me really early in life and none of their friends had other kids for five years. And so I was the first of five kids, or sorry, I was the oldest of by five years in this friends group Mm -hmm. that went on to have something like, I don't even know, like 30 some kids amongst these eight, amongst these eight. (laughs) And um, I might, my, my numbers might not be exactly right, but so I always wanted to sit at the table and, uh, you know, be involved in the adult conversation. And thankfully, my mom and her friends embraced that. Mm. And when I had questions, you know, they didn't shut me out or, or treat me like, you know, my, my opinion wasn't, wasn't important. They, yeah. you know, they valued my input and my questions. And it really was my first glimpse into, you know, the real world. And as I grew up, I continued to lean on my mom and her friends and and they weren't surely the only ones, you know, I had a, I had a big support system growing up. My grandparents, I worked at a young age. My first job was when I was 12 years old and from the second, yeah, 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 yeah. From the moment that I was in the workplace, you know, I had, I had male coworkers and I had female coworkers at the time. Obviously a lot of people were older than me and back to the treating everyone equal. 
you know, some people treated me like I had value and some people didn't. And I remembered forming an opinion from a young age that, you know, as I grew up in the workplace, I wanted to make sure I valued every single one of my coworkers, whether they were above me or below me on the, on the hierarchy. Um, and so, and I also learned a lot about, you know, human behavior and communication styles. And, and I learned that how you treat people really is a reflection on yourself and you gain respect not just from the person that you're interacting with but from everyone around you if they see how you're how you're treating everyone so you know I actually I actually talked to my mom about the impact that her and her friends group made on me because I don't know if she ever knew that or would have would have thought about that and she was telling me just how much we I still keep in touch a little bit with this friends group but I, I don't live in the same city anymore so I'm not as immersed with it but this friends group now between I think it was, there was like 20 or 30 some kids that all got married. So now that, you know, it doubled because of all the spouses and now everyone's had kids from starting with the first eight and their spouses all the way down. There's over 130 people in that, in that group. And we're all, you know, Facebook's a wonderful thing. We're all connected we see Christmas cards and, and all of that. And I still remember some of the conversations that happened, you know, way back when, and I, I really need to thank all of them. And I will, as I see them individually for, you know, the, um, helping me become, you know, part of who I am today. Absolutely. I think that that's such an interesting thing that you said there about, you know, being able to be the fly in the wall on those conversations. A lot of the times um, when we're younger, you know, it's that mindset um, with a lot of parents of like, you know, when there are adults in the room, we, I don't want to see, it, I don't want to hear. Right, it. <laughs> right, yeah. And I think that you make it an, an important point about how there is a fine balance of being able to allow, you know, that next generation, your kids, your your the people that are looking up to you, almost in on those conversations a little bit, so that they can start to form a good. Um, holistic opinion and their own kind of um, ability to to see what community can really really do and and really it's like you said I mean you didn't mean to but you end up spending time around all these women that you know then you got to see how it's so important to have those perspectives at the table and why you know maybe women come from the place that they do yeah so I, I love that and I'm, I'm so glad that that's kind of that's something that you got to experience um it's so funny because like I came from it's like my parents were very much I mean I have very strict Dominican parents and uh when they started to kind of let me in on the conversations I was like see like this is helping me grow up yeah, <laughs> like, sure. let me get there <laughs> yeah I love it <clears throat> You know, I wanted to add on that too, because my, my, I grew up in a strict household as well. And it was yeah. a blue collar family. Both my parents worked multiple jobs. My grandparents were blue collar. I was the first one to go to college out of my family. Yeah. And I, people ask me all the time, you know, what made me who I am or where did I get this work ethic? And I always point back to, you know, my upbringing. Mm-hmm. And I'm big on, I, I use cliches all the time. And I, people sometimes look down on using cliches. <clears throat> and of course, if it, if it doesn't mean anything, then it is just a cliche. Right. But personally, I think that cliche, some cliches have benefit to them and are, and are uh, <clears throat> you know, a popular saying for a reason, like exactly. doing whatever it takes or going above and beyond or going the extra mile. Yes. You know, all of those things were things that were ingrained into me as a kid that I, you know, I never, I was taught never to complain, you know, yeah. put your head down and get the job done, you know, do it with a smile on your face mm-hmm. and all of these things that were, I don't want to say beat into me as a kid, but <laughs> you know, that was said to me repetitively and from so many different people, my bosses, my teachers, coaches, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, the more people that tell you the same thing. And then when you start to take the advice and yeah. you see it paying dividends, I use that with my kids nowadays. And I, um, I know I was a little bit of a know-it-all when I was a kid. And now I see, you know, my, my son who's almost 16 is, is a little bit of that. Yeah. And I just want him so badly to, 
to take some of my advice. You know, I want him to be his own person, but take some of my advice because once you see it click, then in the, like the whole the world's a whole new place to you. Absolutely, it's funny because when we kind of talk about like you know as you're as you're developing your in adulthood, you know, and you're really really um, you're coming into these characteristics that help you be the way you are. Um, I feel like sometimes it's like these lessons don't get learned unless you learn it the hard way. Yeah. yeah. But if we just listened a little bit more to what our parents said, Very and true. like one of the things that was really really helpful to me was my mom always telling me you can literally do anything yeah like you can do anything as long as you just put your mind work. to it yeah, yeah put yeah, your mind yeah. to it and just work hard and it's funny because like it is a cliche right it's something that you hear everywhere and but that saying over and over and over again beat into me yeah helped create this confidence that like when people are asking me like how i'm doing all the things yeah. i'm doing it's because i'm like I believe I can do anything. That's right. And I actually looked I actually looked up the definition of cliche the other day and it I can't remember verbatim what it said, but it said things that are said so often that they lose their meaning. But I think the key there is is if it has meaning to you and it doesn't lose its meaning, then it is important and it matters and it, it creates, and it's helpful. It yeah. takes on a life of its own within yeah. you. Yeah. And I think that's something like we can't all the time let things go in one ear and, and leave out of the other. Like you really I think that it's really important to think about the intention of what is being said. Even if it's just a simple set, it's like, why, why did someone I respect and love so much feel like I had to hear this so many times? Yeah. You really, really got to look at what's behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, so I love that. Yeah. And I would love to touch a little bit more on like what you were saying with your son, creating leadership in the next generation. What does that, what does that look like for you in, in creating that and forming that, you know, in your, in your next generation? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. My, my uh, business partner and I yesterday were just talking about how we're at like the exact middle of our career. Yes. You know, half the people we work with are older than us and half the people are younger than us. Yes. And I think it's important back to my treating everyone equal. I, I feel that everyone deserves a seat at the table, you know, whether you have one day of experience or 40 years of experience and everyone deserves a voice. Um, and I have made it my point throughout my entire career, no matter what the job was, um, you know, a professional career or even when I was, uh, you know, a working teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I've always been a volunteer. I've, I've loved volunteering. I sit on numerous boards mm -hmm. and the one thing that I've noticed and people have told me that I've done from day one is I really want everyone at the table to give their input before a decision is made. Yeah. And it's that advocacy part. It is. It's that you're, you're in a position, thank goodness that you can really create the space and it's, it's like when we're talking about the difference between a mentor and a sponsor. Yeah. You're in a place where you get to be a sponsor for someone and bring their name into a room maybe they weren't able to be in before. Or even just give them the floor for a second. Yeah, absolutely. And not everyone has the confidence to speak up on their own, unfortunately, or aren't given the opportunity to. Yeah. So I always want to make sure outside of the room, I actually try to give them confidence. And tell. sometimes I'll tell people, hey, I know you've shared with me in you know, in private, an idea, I want you to share with the group, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it. Um, and then the other thing, too, is when when other people witness that you're giving people a voice and you're empowering them, it actually helps build respect in those people's eyes to treat that person outside of the room or, you know, in other dealings with that respect. Um, so um, I've always tried to do it every oppor every opportunity that I've had. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're doing a great job well, because that's well, only, that's something I've only ever heard about you. Well, thanks. Um, and and so with that being said, how do you think that that plays a role in particular for helping uplift women in a particularly male dominated industry, and maybe how men play a role in that, or you know, for someone that hasn't really thought about their place in that, um, how does that look for you? So. 
I mean, I, I'm a big believer in leading by example. And once you, I, I've, I've been very lucky and fortunate. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is about me, but I've always been able to gain respect of others around me. I think it goes back to, you know, um, that golden rule that I talked about earlier, yeah. treat others the way you want to be treated. And because I embody that and I, and I come across very authentic and genuine in that, that people, for the most part, want to treat me with that. Well, when I walk around the office and I tr- I'm treating my coworkers mm-hmm. and I'm treating those above me and those below me and I'm treating everyone exactly the same, I think other people see that and, and are maybe subconsciously are like, well, if that's the way Matt's treating that person, maybe that's the way I should treat them too. Exactly. Um, I, the one example that I'll give, I actually, um, my, my marketing assistant, her name is Jenna Lockstroman. She's been with us. Next year will be her 10th year with us. She mm-hmm. came to us right out of college. Hey, and, Jenna. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, you know, she is my right-hand person. Um, you know, no discredit to my business partner. He's my, you know, other right-hand person. I can have multiple yes. right-hand persons. <laughs> you know, my wife is my, my, my best friend. You know, you can have multiple people. Um, so I didn't mean to put labels on, it, on anyone, but from the, from the very beginning, I valued Jenna's opinion, and I and I gave, and I empowered her um, in many different ways. Uh, and I didn't even necessarily—I wasn't consciously doing it. It's just you know the way. It's just my leadership style. Um, and I try my best to now that I'm training a new generation of, of people coming in, and I and also managing all of the experienced brokers. I'm always trying to give them uh, examples, and I always find myself saying, you know. You've probably seen the way that I've interacted with Jenna on this or on that. Um, you know, one way is by really um, people's work product. Yeah. If you, you know, like everyone has different styles and you've got type A personalities and type B personalities yeah. and you have some people that want to be completely hands-on and some people want to be completely hands-off. And you've got to have a little bit of all of that. You do. If you you're ha- going to make an organization work, you have to have your A, B, C's, you've got to have everyone because there's a reason that we're all, like, I'm very different from our controller, Carl. And it's a really good thing. You would not want me on your accounting yeah. because, you know, I'm just like, I, I am, I'm great in front of the people. You have to have <laughs> complementary skills to people on your team. And that's what exactly. I say. My team, everyone brings a different skill set to the table and everyone feeds off of each other. Um, but what I was going to say specifically about, you know, my marketing assistant is, so many broke it's a fast-paced world and brokers are flying by the seat of their pants and they're in you know six or seven hours of meetings and they're only in the office for 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there yeah. and they it's by nature they want to bark orders and they want to they just want to talk about what's wrong and what needs fixed and I, I try to encourage people to slow down and first of all give some affirmation and compliment people when they do a job well done. And everyone has different, um, I I use the word love languages. I know in the workplace it might not be love languages, but everyone um, needs affirmation in a different way. And another way you can give someone affirmation is by not micromanaging their work. And even if it's not perfect or it's not exactly the way you would have done it, there's more than one right way to do something. And so just by um, approving someone's work product without too much criticism or feedback. Um, the opposite can be bad too. You don't want to never right. give feedback, but finding that balance can really help someone's job satisfaction. Yeah. Well, and- that and also looking at how, because for example, you have people, I have someone on my team that loves to take criticism. He's mm. like, I want to know the things that I am not doing right. That's, that's the kind of feedback I want you to give me because I know, you know, I don't, I don't need the, we, we call them strokes in our office, yeah. but he's like, I don't need all the strokes. Cause I'm just not that kind of guy sure. versus I have someone else on my team that is like, 
He loves to hear that. Yeah, I know yeah, he loves yeah, to hear yeah, it. Yeah. And it's important that he hears it. And, you know, if I was to treat them both the same, it would be effective for one, but not effective for the other. Yeah. And that's where it's like you said, knowing people's love languages yeah. is really, really important because you have to curate the person's management experience. Yeah to how they like to be managed. It's, yeah. it's about how oversight can really, really help them either develop a um, develop even better leadership characteristics mm-hmm. themselves because mm-hmm. when they see that, it's not going to be like, oh, why are you treating... It's like, oh, right. she thought about the way that I want to be yep. managed and, and, yeah. and that makes a difference. It does. And then the other aspect I think too that I, I wanted to really talk to you about what too was um, when we're talking about you know, it's about not only what someone can do for me. Yeah. And that's another aspect of when you are, um, you know, climbing the ranks and you're in an exact position and things. I think it's very easy to think like, oh, well, ever like these people are under me and, you know, it's about mm-hmm. how they can assist me. Yep. So I would love to talk to you about the other direction of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can honestly say that as I grew up in my career, I never thought about every action of mine is what was I going to get out of it? I always thought about was what was the other person going to give out of it? Exactly. I, I really feel that if you live a life of service, that it's going to pay you back tenfold without you even realize, without that even being the purpose. Um, I think that I had that. I think that there is a religious aspect of that for me. Um, people, I I know my church has talked about that my whole life. Uh, also in my adult career, I got involved in the rotary, uh, early on and rotary is all about its service above self. And it's so true. Um, if you first, and I also like, I I told someone yesterday about, um, you know, Cameron Mitchell wrote a book that I think it's called the answer is yes. What's the question? Yes. If I, if when somebody comes to you for help, if you immediately say yes, and just go at it from that angle without stepping back to think about, well, what's in it for me? It's going to be so much more of a fulfilling uh, environment for you and the person that you're helping. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, I, I, sometimes I tell this story, uh, before I became a broker, I was the IT guy at Ohio Equities. I have a, Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I, you I never told IT, you that. I, yeah. I did not know that. You have yeah. an IT background. Yeah, and I, you know, IT is a, is a catch-all phrase. I was always yeah. good with computers and yes. electronics, and I went to school actually for interactive communication was the my major, yes. um, which really was when digital marketing was becoming big. Yeah. And so that's how I got my foot in the door at Ohio Equities. I was a, I was a marketing intern. Yeah. And... I, Matt, that, yeah, yeah. I'm just, this is yeah, so funny yeah. because I did not know that. No, and I was actually yeah. a computer science major. Okay, wow. And so was part I, of yeah. my journey was that I loved coding, okay. but I found that that wasn't my tribe yep. just because a lot of the people in the computer IT world are scared of someone yeah. that's going to walk in and Sure, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there's a... there's and a. It's the, interesting you have both of those kind of person. Yeah. You balance that personality. Yeah. So well. Yeah, thank you. And I give a lot of credit to my mentors at Ohio Equities, the owners of the company, Mike and and, and his dad, Sandy Simpson. Yeah. They discovered that in me at an early age. You know, there is a um, a stereotype that computer people are more introverted, and mm-hmm. you know, um, not that that's good or bad, but yeah, mm-hmm. I was a more of an extroverted, uh, you know, computer guy. Love. But but what I was going to say, so my first four years at Ohio Equities, my job was pretty much troubleshooting everyone else's computer problems, mm-hmm. and. You know, as someone was walking up to me, I was already standing up to go to their desk. Like it wasn't like I was just going to sit in the chair and make them wait, you know, two minutes until I was done doing whatever I was doing. And I think that that helped, um, you know, just build my mindset of, you know, I'm here to serve other people. Yeah. And that's such an important mindset to have, because I think that um, it just it it affects the way that you move in everything. For me, one of the biggest things that helped um, 
just in, in building that servant leadership mindset is volunteering. Yeah. Right. When you are giving your time and particularly, I think that helps build such good relationships with the people you do that with. But when you're volunteering your time strictly there for the, for the just doing and giving, mm-hmm. it really, really builds some, it's a different aspect of leadership because you really show up with how do I do everything in my possible, I'm not going to get anything out of this. And how do I do everything in, in my abilities to, to move a mission forward? Right. And that's part of the reason I think that volunteer work is so important in, in someone's adult life or even growing up, yeah. um, being from finding some form of incorporating service in your life. Because when you are a servant in, in a servant leadership style, I think that it really, really can help propel you forward in so many different ways. And also, like when I when I talk about some of the different things that I do, right? Um, I always kind of introduce myself as just a community servant. Like I am just here yeah. for whatever my whatever I can use my gifts for for the community. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that it being an all encompassing umbrella like that, I, it just it it drips into everything you do. It does. Um, and while we're on this topic, yeah. I love it because we kind of get to uh, reflect back on like the beginning of all of this, which is how we met. Yeah. Because I, when I was first starting out in my career, and a lot of people, I feel like I didn't really yet make a name for myself, and I was still trying to figure out all the. Like I said, I came from outside this industry, so yeah. I was trying to figure out what everybody's titles meant, and even whatever, sure. like what all these companies really, really do, and how we can partner or how we build these relationships. And um, I sent you a, a DM on, on LinkedIn, and I basically, you know, hey, do you think that we could go out for coffee? And, um, you know, I just love to get to know more about what you do and who you are. And you said, yeah, of course. And you sent me your Calendly link and you go, I always just take the coffee, which is mm-hmm. where this where this title came from. And for me, that meant a lot because um, I ran into a lot of closed doors mm-hmm. when I started in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't the director of business development yet. I wasn't um, established here. N- nobody in this industry knew me yet. And you were one of the higher ups that um, actually actually said yes. You were mm-hmm. one of the first ones to ever be like, you know what, of course. I don't know you, I don't yeah. know what you do, and I don't really care. Right. And we sat down and we had a really, really great coffee. And it actually, we kind of had a conversation that led right into this a, a year later now. Yeah. Um, but it's it meant a lot to me because I think when leaders do that kind of thing, it helps inspire the kind of leader that you want to be. And, um, and I just thank you for that. Seriously. Yeah, absolutely. That's the only thing I know. You're welcome. I, um, you know, thank you. I'm, I'm kind of speechless. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you. I I really appreciate you. And I think that, um, that, that kind of leads into our next, you know, with our just take the coffee conversation. First, you need to make sure that you are going to be present in whatever, in whatever you're doing. Um, if you do say yes to something, you've got to give it, you've got to give it your all. Um, and so, yeah, you, you can't overextend yourself. But you also don't want to be so protective of your time that you're never you're never doing anything, right? Yeah. Um, and everyone, there's no one easy answer. Everyone has to have a different um, you know approach to it. What I would say, first of all, you have to be very organized um, to yes. be successful, and you have to be um, you know time management means diff- something different to everybody. Um, the way that I look at it as is you have to make the best use of your time at the time of day that it is, right? So. There's some things that you can do before or after business hours that might not be the best use of your time during business hours. During business hours is when you should be meeting with people and when you should be taking calls and when you should be having lunches and 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 collaborating with your team and and doing those types of things. Um, I you know I don't necessarily have a magic answer about what the best balance is. I think first of all, and this is semi-related, I guess, to what we're talking about. In today's world, everyone can get very bogged down by email. Yeah. 
you know, people 25 years ago didn't have 100 emails a day to go through, right? right. They might have been lucky to get a fax or two and, and open their, their five or six pieces of mail. Yeah. Um, and now that, you know, people are still have the same amount of time in their workday, but have 100 emails uh, to return. On top or, of it all. On top of it all. And so I learned, I was at a convention early in my career. People always say that they that they that they're not sure what they get out of conventions. I always say if you can get at least one takeaway, it can it can change everything. Mm-hmm. So one takeaway I got at a convention a long time ago about emails were the three D's. Do, delete, and delegate. Right? So when I get out of an hour meeting, I'll often have thirty or forty emails. Now, not all thirty or forty demand the same attention from me. Right. Some might take two seconds, some might take, you know, two minutes, some might take a half an hour. I try between every single one of my meetings to set aside at least five or 10 minutes between, you know, when I, when I arrive at my destination to sit in my car and go through those emails and I'll do one of those three things. If it's a delegate, I forward it to the person that it should go to Mm -hmm. and I give them the quick one or two sentences about what it needs and I send it off and then I sort that into a folder. If it's a piece of junk mail or someone just saying, okay, or thank you, you know, I'll, I'll delete that. And then the dues are what I leave in my inbox. The dues are going to take me a longer amount of time. Right. Well, I try to set aside at least an hour every afternoon to reply to those dues. But I try at that point to, dif- to differentiate between the ones that need to be returned during those business hours or yeah. the ones that I can do later that night, maybe after the kids go to bed. Yeah. Doing that keeps me from having anxiety about that I'm not getting back to people. Yes. Um, and it allows me to be more present in whatever I'm doing at that time and gives me the ability to um, take more meetings. Yeah. Um, I was telling someone the other day, out of the 15, I'll call it coffee, lunch, or happy hours that you can take in a week, on average, I'm averaging probably 12 or 13 of those 15 are, are filled with something. And, I know that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And a lot that's of people think incredible. it's exhausting, but if you once you get used to it and you embrace it, it's it's really not exhausting. Well, and the thing is too, like one of the reasons I just like I think that is so so incredible is because it shows that you prioritize people. Yeah. And you're in the business that prioritizing people is so so important. Yeah. And I think that um, especially like I said, like someone in your position, you know, this is the kind of thing that a lot of execs need to continue to to keep in mind because when you're a life learner, yeah you recognize that no matter where you get, you will be able to, whether it's the brand new person, the person that's been there for a year or two, whoever, there is something to learn from everyone. And that's why it's important to continue to make time for people. Um, Because people are the key, to me, people are the key. People are the key to everything that we do because you you can't do all of this alone. And so continuing to further and strengthen um, the the nets and the webs of of your community um, and even of just your own organization I think is so, so important. And while we're talking about like workflow hacks, cause I yeah. love this, I yeah. love this 3Ds. Yeah. I've not, I've not used that and yeah. I'm going to. Okay. Um, and one of the ways that I actually um, get my workflow, um, keep my workflow, you know, productive. And also I'm able to like incorporate email time is I do different um, heights of, so I do like um, light work, medium work, deep work. Yeah. And I treat my day like a bell curve. Okay. Where if I'm first getting into the office, I'm just getting my coffee. I got to wake up already. I am starting with some light work. So I'll do about 15 minutes of light work. You know, go through a couple of emails. What can I do right away? Da, da, da. Go through a couple of checklists, daily to-dos. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get into medium work, which is more of like checking some of the administrative, going through a couple of, um, you know, what are, what are the things that we need to do today? Delegating some things to my team. Okay. And then move into deep work. 
going through reports, sending mm-hmm. back intricate emails, putting together, you know, whatever proposal, whatever I need to do, and then go back to medium work for a bit, go back to light work, back up to medium, back up to deep, because it really, really helps me not exhaust myself while I'm switch. Like when you're going from easy task to like boom, hard task, it really creates this spike of, yeah. of you have to really exert yourself a little bit more. And I like to take my meetings in this light or medium work oh, stage yeah. because it gets me kind of moving. It gets your your you know stream of consciousness kind mm-hmm. of uh, uh, situated and then you can get into your deep work later. And yeah. I think that that's another thing that's really helped me is to be able to kind of not try to not try to do a million things at once and also not trying to do things that are completely different sides of your brain. Yeah, that's a good Right point. after the other. Yeah. Um, so while we're talking about how we work, yeah. so NAI Ohio Equities, how do you think that your, um, that your guys' organization has really embraced the things that we've talked about today and, um, and maybe some of the things that you guys are looking to do for the future? Yeah. Well, as you were, as you were talking about people, that's exactly what hit my mind. We, we spent a large amount of the time of COVID um, going through a strategic framework um, mm-hmm. where we got you know all of the stakeholders at the table and we really wanted to define what's made us a successful company over the last 50 years mm-hmm. so that we could be um, we've been very organic in our growth and we want to be more strategic going forward yeah. and the reoccurring theme that came out of it was people and our founder Sandy Simpson he he is of the same generation of Woody Hayes and Woody Hayes had that famous saying that said you win with people Yes. And Sandy has used that, you know, countless times throughout my career. And so that's really been the, the, at the center of the cog of our strategic framework is, and it's people within your organization and it's people within the community you live in and it's people that you serve, you know, your client, your clients. And so putting them first and really being focused on, you know, the greater good and being focused on relationships and once again, you know, putting um, others first and not just looking at what's in it for you. I can't tell you the number of times that I have earned the trust of a client by telling them not to do something. Yes. You know, instead of, you know, so many salesmen are just like, you know, sign here, let's get this done. And when you truly, you're not in it just for that transaction, but you're in it for the relationship and truly what's the benefit of the client, you, you, you can earn their trust. That is such a good point, and I think one of the things is like both of us being from locally owned companies, yeah. right? Um, when you have that, there's something about being from a local or a family owned company for me that is so so deeply people centric because yeah. you really rely on the community. Right now, as you know, I mean, as everyone knows now, Ohio. I mean, this is becoming the the Silicon Heartland. Right. right. Yes. <laughs> like right. We are, yeah. We're getting this big and sexy title. And the biggest thing to really recognize about that is that now we're getting all of this national, like people are looking at us. Yeah, for sure. And with all of that influx of those type of businesses, how do you think that um, really what the, what the core values of your company, you know, how do you stack up? Because this is something that I face all the time. Yeah. All of our, you know, competitors or what have you, they're all national franchisees. Yeah. And we don't have all of the money in the world yeah. to sprinkle up things and all the advertisement and stuff. And so the thing that we really depend on is our core values shining through. Mm-hmm. And that's really based in the, some of the things that we've talked about today. Yeah. You know, there are, I, you have to look to the retail world, I think, for a little bit of comparison. And retailers did start learning maybe 10 years ago that shoppers and consumers wanted to have their values aligned to make their choices, right? Yes. And a lot of the successful retailers are ones that whose values align with the largest number of people. Um, and we're, I'm trying to think of, in our world, it's less 
a commodity and more of an advisor and consulting role. Yeah. And but use going back to that that retailer analogy, when some people go on vacation, they hit up and find every Starbucks. Other people want to find that local coffee shop, right? Yes. Um, or that local brewery. And you want to get a taste and because you feel that those people know what that community is all about and you're going to get the flavor of that community. And so there are some consumers in our industry that want to just – the, the phrase we use is best in class. You're looking for best in class. And sometimes there's the thought that the biggest name or the one that's in every city is obviously the best in class. And sometimes that can be true, but other times it can – it might not be. Yeah. And so we're aiming to show through that we're best in class and – are ingrained in the community you know we grew up here as the city grew up here and that anything you want to know i I believe the same we're going to go with is we know columbus because we are columbus Ooh, i know that that just sends a shiver down my spine (laughs) i love that because it's so so true i mean even just relating back to like thompson restoration for example with us like we're local family-owned since 1978 i mean it's tim is our founder and still our president today and At the end of the day, I always say, one huge claim that goes badly could literally wipe us off of the face of the earth. Because we are, like, we are this, I mean, we are literally just a local family-owned company, and we are doing our best and keeping up with all of these, um, you know, these big national franchises. But the biggest thing is that we know the lay of this land. We do so much community work, and we do so much, you know, understanding what is it? If we're going to say we're going to serve this community, how do we really serve? And it's from having the education and the foundation about what this city is yeah. and implementing that in your business practices yeah. and, and staying up to date with that. Yeah. You know, like continuing to, you guys do a bunch of programming. Like I see yeah. on your LinkedIn yeah. all the time. You guys are out, you're donating time, you're doing things. And that is such an important aspect of what you do as a business because if you don't know what is going on in your locality, how could you hope to really truly serve that locality yeah very true i think there's a saying like you have to know where you're from to know where you're going or something like that yeah yes and you're absolutely right and what's the point or purpose of being successful and making a ton of money if the community around you isn't sharing in that same success you know so i really believe in that rising tides analogy that everyone uses lifts lifts all boats right all boats it's so funny you say that because that's actually when i was telling our owner tim yesterday that we were finalized on the script. We got everything situated. We're going. Um, today he goes, you know, I love the idea of the fact that you are not just pointing this at by women for women, only for women. And it's because when we talk about how men pay a, play a, a piece in the uplifting and the, the progression and development of women, it really does help us all. Yeah. We will all benefit from everyone winning. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate you coming on today and talking to me about yeah. how winning and how creating winning people um, is is just, this is what we're going to do. This has been fun. <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. This is so exciting. Um, if this is, well, if this is your first episode, thank you so much for tuning in today with us. Um, if you uh, if you loved what you heard today, I can't wait to see you back. And, uh, and thank you, Matt, so much again for coming on and, and sharing your amazing expertise and and just continuing to do what you do absolutely well so thank you so much for having me i'd love to be back appreciate it can't wait to have you again great (laughs) all right thank you